Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. People today often think that we are so much more enlightened and rational than people of the past. We are likely to believe that our modern scientific worldview gives us an edge. C.S. Lewis calls it chronological snobbery. However, the truth is that ancient people knew just as well as you do that dead people stay dead. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb on that first Easter morning. What were they expecting to find? They were fully expecting to find the dead body of Jesus because they knew dead people stay dead. They were not expecting an a, a, a empty tomb or a risen Savior. So, when Christians began spreading the claim that Jesus of Nazareth rose bodily from the dead across the Roman Empire, it sounded just as crazy in the first century as it does today. But how do we know that such incredible events occurred? The answer lies in our gospel reading. There were eyewitnesses who were there. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were not hoping to find an empty tomb or a risen Savior. No, but that's what they found. What happens when we expect the empty tomb to still have the dead body of Jesus? This morning, we are going to journey alongside Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And we're going to ask ourselves a couple questions. What did they see? How did they feel? And what impact should this have on your life? Those two women set out to the tomb early on Sunday morning while it was still dark with heavy hearts. They were going to mourn and to perform the normal standard burial customs for Jesus. They wanted to be near him, to be near Jesus, to pour out their sorrow in peace and quiet. And yet, peace and quiet were the last thing they got. As they approached the tomb, there was an earthquake which shook the ground, and an angel descended from heaven, rolled back the tomb, and sat on it. This was not what they were expecting. It's not hard to understand the terror gripped that gripped these two women. The two Marys did not anticipate seeing angels that morning, nor did they expect to hear the words that came from the angel's mouth? He is not here. He is risen. Come and see. See, they knew that dead people stay dead. They knew that Jesus didn't pass out because those two women 
had watched him die. With their own eyes, they saw it. They had saw the spear pierce his pericardium as blood and water flowed out. They knew that Jesus of Nazareth was stone dead. They had no reason to expect anything different when they came Sunday morning. A risen Jesus was not on their radar. And yet those two women saw something on that first sun Easter morning. Well, maybe they went to the wrong tomb, Pastor. No, they went with Joseph of Arimathea the day before to see the place where he had laid. The tomb was empty, and it remains empty to this day. The death of Jesus and the empty tomb are historical events, and these two women are your chief and key eyewitnesses. These events are as well supported as, by evidence as anything else from ancient history. The uncomfortable fact is that this challenges us. It challenges our beliefs. It challenges the way we see the world and God and death and resurrection. If the tomb was not empty, then why didn't the Jewish leaders or the Romans produce the dead body of Jesus and say, look, he's not risen. He's right there. There's his dead body. Be off with you. Christianity would have never gotten off the ground. However, we are far too often like those two Marys, expecting death and not recognizing new life. Our skepticism and our stubborn hearts often blind us to the reality of the resurrection. How do you respond to the fact that the tomb? is empty. Don't believe me? Do you think it's a fairy tale? Get a ticket. Go to Israel. Go check it out. There's a big sign on the door. He is not here. He is risen. If that's not the place, you can go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's one of the two. He is not there. The tomb is empty. What do you do with the empty tomb? How do you respond to it? What if the tomb is empty after all? Does that change anything in your life? We may occasionally attend church on a Sunday morning, but the rest of the week, we live as if Jesus was still in the tomb. There is no discernible difference between our lives and the lives of those around us who don't believe. Our lives are too often marked out by sin. It's as if we forget that the tomb is empty and that the power of sin and death have been beaten. Too many people, whether or not the tomb is empty, completely ignore it. You cannot ignore an empty tomb. Ignoring it does not make it go away. 
doesn't make the tomb any less empty than it actually is. So what do you do with an empty tomb? The women expected a corpse, but yet they became eyewitnesses of something far more spectacular. The angel invites them to do two things. First, he invites them to go and see with their eyes. He doesn't just give them a message, does he? He says, come, look at the tomb. See, there's no body. Now go and tell his disciples. Trembling with fear and joy, they quickly run away from the tomb and run to tell the apostles. News of Jesus' resurrection is both frightening and exhilarating all at once. What are they feeling? Can it be true? Have we been hallucinating? Or are we just simply overcome with emotion? While running, something else unexpected happens. They run into Jesus himself, and he appears to them. And the first words out of his mouth are, Hi. Greetings. Nice to see you. And overwhelmed with emotion, they fall to his feet and they grab hold of him and they worship him. Now, you might worship a hallucination, but you can't grab his feet. So not only have they seen an empty tomb, they have seen the risen Jesus and they have touched him with their hands. Jesus reveals himself first to two women or anybody else. And he instructs them to go and tell his brothers, the apostles, that to go to Galilee, and he's going to see them there. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary become the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection, and they are sent to deliver the glorious message to others. This is powerful. If you were making up this story, this is not how you would do it. In the first century, women's testimony had absolutely no legal standing. So you would make John or Peter or one of the other disciples be the first ones, not two women. And yet the Lord chose two women. He doesn't care about what the Romans think about legal standing. And their testimony has come to you. It's been written down. The angel's proclamation echoes through time, through voice and song until it has reached your ears. We proclaim with certainty that Jesus is Lord and Christ and Savior of all. His death atones for your sins. His life is now your life and his glory will be your glory. The resurrection of Jesus brings hope. It brings hope to you. It brings hope to me. For all, that means that you can leave this, you can leave here this morning with good news. Although you have not seen the Lord like these two Marys, you have heard their testimony. You can rejoice and you can sing. You can have hope because just as Jesus is risen, so all who believe in him will rise and have eternal life. We will be reunited with our loved ones who have departed 
this life, believing in Jesus for their salvation. We will be reunited with our fathers and our mothers, children, our husbands, our wives, our friends, our loved ones, in their physical bodies that they once had. We will get them all back. You will see them again because death is defeated. We have Christ's promise that if you believe in Jesus, you will rise again on the last day and enjoy eternal life. And those who do not believe will rise and face Jesus as their judge. As the two Marys went to tell the disciples about Jesus' resurrection, they did not anticipate meeting Jesus along the way. However, he revealed himself to them. He gave them more than just a message to deliver. He gave them himself. They were met by Jesus. They were greeted by Jesus. And they worshipped Jesus. And in the same way, there is no salvation without this crucified and risen Jesus. We are called to follow him, to worship him, to cling to him and hold on to him for dear life. The resurrected Jesus is present for us to receive and to cling to this very morning. He promises to be wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, and there's far more than two or three here this morning. This morning, Jesus himself is here to forgive your sins, to grant you eternal life, and you can hear his voice today, receive his pardon. Therefore, as Christians today, come to the altar, lay hold of the benefits that Jesus won for you by his suffering and death on the cross on your behalf. You can feast today on Christ's body and blood, and in doing so, receive not only salvation, but a promise, a pledge, a guarantee of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. These are gifts that he gives to you. The tomb of Jesus is empty because he is risen from the dead. Of this, we have two eyewitnesses in our testimony today. Two women who both saw Jesus die. They're not the only witnesses. They're just the ones in today's gospel. And just as those two Marys departed with great joy, so you too can leave similarly. What Christ has done for us and for the world completely changes things, and it should completely change you. Today, you can worship the risen Christ. You can be met by him, be greeted by him, and you can receive the promise of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting and a joyful reunion with those you have lost and who are already waiting for you. 
Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. Alleluia. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.